Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And welcome back to the show. I am your host, Richard Holdridge. This is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, and I am joined by two very special guests, Travis Greasy. He was on the podcast last week with Travis and Ben, and they have a podcast called Helping Healing Humor with Ben and Travis. And they just had an episode earlier this morning. You can download it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And Brad Page, again, is back on the show. Brad, we've gone 20 years without doing a show, and you're back on the show a week later. And first of all, it's it's definitely because you're a great guest, but also your episode was the most listened to episode in the sports beat history in the last two years. Brad, I, I couldn't help but get you back on the show because it's just high demand for you right now. Brad, welcome back. Thank you, Richard. I really appreciate it. You know, I love talking football, definitely. Um, and um, I appreciate you, you know, having me back. Travis, it's so good to hear from you, man. It reminds me when we were at Freed on <laughs> first Fort Fair Road. Just so many great memories there. Um, but, yeah, it's great. Well, Brad, uh, I'm, I'm just yeah. – uh, I'm just in awe. I'm kind of yeah. fanboy over here, getting to be on the podcast. Thank you, man. Uh, with Brad Page, uh, a hero, <laughs> a legend, a dear friend, and yeah. uh, one of my favorite Vols. I'll just Thank throw you, that man. out there. Thank you. Hey, I Travis. That, man. We had a special nickname for Brad, but I might get in trouble with his wife <laughs> by calling him this nickname. We called him, and I hope uh, if your wife's listening – I'm sorry. Oh, it's, about it. <laughs> Brad, the yeah. player page. He knows. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know. He's the only player. We were always uh, fun and crazy back then. And um, yeah, <laughs> somehow it just stuck with me. But Well, we were kids. And, I, and I've we shared. Were kids and we've grown up now. <laughs> I yeah, shared that definitely. episode of the Up All Night show when we had uh, Ben and Travis on. We also oh, yeah. had Dustin Key and Phil Dean. We pretty much had the Doughboys on and Mini yeah. Me. And it was a crazy episode, but it was fun. We were young. We were kids. We had so much fun. Travis, you and Ben are just a great guest as well. I just had to yeah. get you on. Unfortunately, Ben couldn't make it on this show, but we're going to try to get him on some uh, future shows. And I just appreciate you guys reaching out and, and coming back on this podcast. And we're doing good things. Travis, I know you're doing great things with your podcast. But thank you, gentlemen, for joining the show. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. And Travis, I got to tell you, back on the show after a week away, it is a privilege to have you back. Oh, Richard, thank you for having us, man, and your kind words about the podcast. We we do our best, and we're thankful for folks like you who listen and give us great feedback and just encourage everybody to check it out. Let us know what you think and where we can be better, and uh, we got a whole community out there that participates and uh, we're so thankful for all of them but I'm so happy to be back with you talk a little football talk some sports 
Yes, and we will get into the national championship game that's going to happen on Monday night between Georgia and Alabama. I got to say, as an Alabama fan, you were very mellow about saying a lot of good things about Georgia. I know you want Alabama to win, but I really appreciated your take on just keeping it real. I mean, I've listened to the Paul Feinbaum show. I've heard Greg McElroy talk about how great Alabama is, but even though this is the second time that these two teams are matching. As a Georgia fan, yes, I want to see Georgia win a national title. But if we were, if we really need to break down the matchup, what is the key matchup that you see that could be the difference in this game? I think it's going to get wore out, but I, I really think it comes down to quarterbacks uh, and really style of play. I think it's kind of a clash. You've got Georgia, while not completely like old school Alabama, you know, you see that break in Alabama where they went from the 2011 defense-heavy offense. Now we're kind of, you know, he's kind of moved to the offensive side, still still teaching the defense. But I think if Alabama wants it to wants to win, they're going to have to make Stetson Bennett beat him. He's capable. Uh, I think we saw that he's able to do it. It's just can he do it again? I think I asked that question in the last episode. You know, I think it always in this era of sports, it comes down to the quarterback, but it's not really Stetson versus Bryce, I would say. I would say it's Bryce versus that Georgia defense again. I think the Georgia defense is is a really good unit. Uh, I think that they kind of sat back last time and, you know, kind of let the defensive front try to get home. I think that Georgia will change their approach. I think they're going to bring pressure this time and really make Bryce make quicker decisions. Now, this time around, Georgia is a slight favorite over Alabama. The first time they met in the SEC championship game, Georgia was a six and a half point favorite. According to ESPN's Football Power Index, they say that Georgia has a 58.2% chance of winning this game. I still am skeptical that Georgia is a favorite over Alabama. Alabama proved that they were the better team two weeks ago in Atlanta, beating the Georgia Bulldogs 41-24 to in dominant fashion. I felt like Georgia's defense got exposed with Bryce Young throwing it to Jamison Williams. I think that might have been a blown coverage. Georgia was up 10 to nothing, and Alabama, who got stopped on their first two drives, had a third and two, and Bryce Young just throws it to Jamison Williams, and he had a slant and he was gone to the house, and I felt that flipped the momentum in that game. Other than that, I thought Georgia moved the ball well on Alabama's defense, so I'm really excited to see this matchup, but are you surprised that once again that Georgia is a favorite in this game? I'm not really surprised by that. I thought it, I thought that's probably how it would go. I'm kind of surprised by the power ranking. You know, the 58%, that's a pretty high number. I'm more in line with uh, the two to three point favorite uh, on the betting odds, uh, but I'm not real shocked by that. I think it, you know, the old trope. It's hard to beat somebody twice and multiply that in the national championship. Never happened before. No one has ever, in my knowledge, at least in my lifetime, who won the first matchup rematch in the national championship won. So uh, they've Georgia's definitely got history going in their favor. The only issue is, is you've got. Nick Saban on the other side that tends to break those <laughs> those historical things. So it really is going to be a great football game, I believe, uh, which doesn't bode well for my nerves or my stomach going into it. 
but I really think Alabama's kind of playing with house money. I don't think most people, most Alabama fans thought that we would be back this soon after losing what we lost last year. And Travis, I have to tell you with conviction, if Alabama wins the national championship, in my opinion, this will be the greatest head coaching job by Nick Saban. Would you agree? I think it's got to be close. If it's not, I don't know um, where you would go with that. Just, I mean, based on what he lost on offense alone, that's not even talking about defense. Oh yeah, we're gonna get was- we're gonna get through. Here's the players that Nick Saban lost to the NFL from last year's team. You ready? Wide receiver Jalen Waddle, and I'm just going off of these are the players that were drafted in the NFL draft last year. Wide receiver Devonta Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy. Quarterback Mac Jones. Running back Najee Harris. Impressive, right? Oh, yeah. Offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood. Landon Dickerson, the center. Christian Barmore. He's having a great season with the New England Patriots right now. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, uh, you know, to say we, we move on. Just to have two Heisman Trophy winners back-to-back is is pretty phenomenal. I will say going into this matchup, maybe something, and I heard this, I, I won't, this is not starting with me. I heard this on another podcast. But, uh, you know, one thing I think that is a positive for Alabama is Bill O'Brien coming from the NFL. He's used to playing teams twice in his division. I don't know how much that plays into it, but that was a point that was brought up. And I was like, man, I hadn't even thought about that, you know, that he's used to playing the same team twice uh, and multiple times uh, throughout the season. So maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I think both teams will look quite a bit different than they did the first time. And I forgot to mention that they also lost their offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, to the Texas Longhorns. So that is another thing. Nick Saban loses assistance just about every year. You look at that team from 2015. His defensive coordinator was Kirby Smart. His offensive coordinator was Lane Kiffin. I mean, he had Mario Cristobal, offensive line head coach. You had Mel Tucker on that staff. You had Billy Napier. It's just crazy that all those coaches are now successful college football head coaches somewhere else. And Nick Saban continues to do it again. But what I'm trying to understand is how is Georgia going to win this game? And if they do not win this game, when will the Georgia Bulldogs ever beat Alabama and get over the hump? What is it going to take? Do they have to wait until Nick Saban retires? I think that Kirby Smart is here to stay. This is Georgia's best shot to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. It's right in front of them. They've been the best team all year. And they played their worst game against Alabama. And I think that Alabama played their best game. Is Alabama's best and Georgia's best just this year alone? We're only just talking about this year. Is Georgia the better team? I mean, that is the question. Georgia has just as many four- and five-star athletes as Alabama. They have a top-five recruiting class every year since Kirby Smart has taken over as head coach since 2016. And Georgia has been right there with Alabama just about every year. I feel this this has got to be the year. This has got to be the year for the Bulldogs. And I'm not talking about a passionate Georgia fan. There are diehard Georgia fans that remember the national championship in Atlanta just four years ago. It was actually four years, right around this time, four years ago, that Tua Tungavailova hit Devonta Smith in the back of the end zone. And Georgia fans are just in shock that Alabama wins another national title. 
But let me tell you something, Travis. I mean, this is a very big success. Alabama is trying to win back-to-back national titles. They haven't done that since 2011 and 2012. How impressive would that be if Alabama wins back-to-back titles and would they go for three next year? I mean, we haven't seen a college football team three-peat. I'll have to check the record book. I don't think it's ever happened. Well, I think they, most Alabama fans, if they're being honest with you, people you know with level heads, which there aren't many of us, but um, would tell you that next year is actually the year that we thought you know, we might be back on track. You know, Will Anderson's a sophomore, Bryce Young's a sophomore, uh, and a lot of that offense is going to be back next year. Uh, you'll lose probably Williams and Mechie, possibly, uh, maybe a tight end or two. But uh, really, most Alabama fans were looking forward to 2022, 2023 being our next real opportunity at a national championship. Like kind of I said, you know, we're kind of playing with house money. You know, if we win Monday night, man, that's that's awesome and but I, I, if you'd asked me to start the season, I would have said, you know, we might make the uh, SEC title game, but, you know, some things would have to go right for us. I thought we'd lose two or three games. So, you know, if this year this team wins it, I think that next year, and, and I'm not one of those people, hopefully I'm not one of those folks who's just a bammer and homer and always going with them and kind of see things a little more. But next year was kind of where most Alabama fans thought, well, that'll be our next chance. You know, Nick's always good. He's going to have us in a, ch- a way to win. But legit, it'll probably be a year. And, uh, Travis, I-, I think you're a passionate Alabama fan, but you're also a realist when it comes to Alabama and the state of their schedule. I'm looking at the 2022 schedule. you gotta, you got to remember that the coaching in the SEC has improved. Sam Pittman is now at Arkansas. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher, who finally beat Nick Saban as an assistant. Josh Heupel doing good things at Tennessee. So the schedule next year for 2022, Alabama opens with Utah State. Then they have to go to Austin to play Texas on the road. Very unusual that Alabama is scheduling a Power 5 opponent on the road. Then they take on Louisiana Monroe, who defeated Alabama in 2007. And I don't know if you remember when Nick Saban that first year went 7-6, and six, said that that was... You know, as big as, you know. But anyway, we, no, then we got Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't want to say it, but, you know, Nick Saban just freaked out after losing the, uh, you know, that first season. Uh, the Alabama fans were panicked. But really, in reality, Nick Saban was building something special because you see that what he did in 2008, 2009, winning the national championship in 2009, finally getting over the hump and beating Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin, that great team that Florida had. Because Florida was the favorites in 2009. Nick Saban finally gets over the hump. They beat Texas in the national championship. 2010 was kind of an outlier because Alabama was getting everybody back. Greg McElroy, Julio Jones, uh, Mark Ingram. They were all back, but in 2010, Alabama loses three games. Travis, you want to explain that? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it's a similar situation to what we're dealing with. You, you get... That's why this year is even more shocking because typically you get a little laid back. You know, you, you get complacent. And as a football coach who's coached championship teams and then turn around and the season's a dud, you know, uh, you get complacent as a coach. I think that's part of Saban's greatness is that, you know, it's never complacent. You know, if he wins Monday night and they interview him, he'll be like, well, I got to start recruiting tomorrow. You know, got to go on a trip. If they lose, got to start recruiting tomorrow. 
Uh, he's just so moves on so fast and complacency just seems not to be his case. But the problem is, is you've got how many other players, a hundred and something players that man complacency, you know, or rat poison as he calls it, you know, slips in, you know, that's a head scratcher. You know, we lose to LSU. Uh, we lost to Auburn who Auburn had Cam Newton. That's a little more understandable. Uh, and, and you get three losses and then you go out and you obliterate Michigan state, uh, just tear them up. And then you go on the street, you know, there was a chance there. You could have almost won five in a row. You know, you, you win 9 10, 11, 12, 13, the kick six happens, uh, or we're in another national championship. You got to make the argument. You think Saban goes in probably, uh, you know, not an underdog in that game. And so, you know, it, I remember watching the SEC. This is my last thing on this, but I remember watching the, the 150 years of college football. The SEC did a, a decade by decade documentary, which is was fabulous. And you get to the 2010s with Nick Saban, and every game that they show is an Alabama loss. That's how many times we've lost in the decade. That every time we lose, it's incredible. It's a it's a big game, and uh, you know those hurt. They're all painful. Man, we lose in some painful ways. They're painful because they're typically close. You know, you're not typically going to see an, a Saban team get boat raced for four quarters. And I think that's what makes Georgia fans nervous is they've been on the losing side of that. You know, a 10 point lead, you, you gave the whole list last. We won't make people live through it again, but, you know, it's until the clock is zeros, it's not over, especially if Nick Saban's on the other side. Well, and you know that Brad and I like to do a top 10 on the Up All Night show. And so I got the top 10 greatest college football teams of all time. You want to know where 2020's Alabama Crimson Tide is ranked? Just try to guess. Sure. what Where are they ranked? Oh, man. I, I think it would come down. It's got to be between them and LSU, I would think, for number one, uh, 2019 LSU, uh, in my personal opinion. And, and obviously I'm biased, but I'll say they probably put us at – I'll do two. Now, they are ranked two. The 2019 LSU Tigers is ranked three. So the number one team, this is just according to some Bleacher Report uh, poll, basically in the last 30 years, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes were ranked the number one team in the last 30 years, followed by the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide, 2017 or 2019 LSU. Number four is the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Do you remember that team, Travis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that seemed like a team that was unstoppable. They were scoring 73 points. They had the option with Tommy Frazier. Lawrence Phillips was their running back. They had just a tremendous defense with Trev Alberts. I remember the 1998 Arizona Sun Devils upsetting the Cornhuskers and ending that streak. Rather, the 1996 Arizona Sun Devils, led by Jake the Snake Plumber, uh, upsetting them. Otherwise, Nebraska would have gone on to win probably four straight national championships. Because in 96, they had a down year. Florida won the national championship. And then in 97, they shared the national championship with uh, Michigan. So Nebraska in the mid-90s was about oh, yeah. as good as it got. I mean, oh, they yeah. were dominant. And that's what we thought of as a dynasty. And Machine. Alabama flipped the script. They actually define what a dynasty is now. And nobody I, I does think, it better. I think it's the... You know, the adaptation, you know, he, he asked the question ever so often, Nick Saban, is this what you want football to be? And when the answer is yes, he goes out and he, he dominates it, you know, 
And uh, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. And Travis, I have another question, though. Do we need to expand the college football playoff? I would say no. I'm on the I'm on the no train. Although, I mean, if I'm I'm being a bammer, sure, why not? G- give us twelve teams. That means Alabama's going to get in every single year. Uh, exactly. I, I don't I don't think it needs to expand. Uh, I, I like the four best teams. I think that they've gotten it right every year. Uh, I think the BCS even. I think when you go back and look at the numbers and plug in the BCS stats, the two teams that played for the national championship have been BCS picked, or at least they were in the top four. And so I just don't think so. I love the regular season, and people can debate this, but I think college football is the best regular season in sports. Uh, we've seen a couple of Iron Bowls not even matter. You know, the 2017 Alabama team lost the Iron Bowl. And all that determined was is that we wore the white jerseys and then we ended up winning the national championship. And so, you know, I, that's great for Alabama, but I like the Iron Bowl meaning something. And I think if you expand it, these regular season games get less and less important. Going back to that list, I just wanted to wrap this uh, top 10 list. The next team on the list was the 2004 USC Trojans, followed by the 2018 Clemson Tigers. That was a team... Uh, that had Trevor Lawrence, remember that, in the national championship. And then the 2005 Texas Longhorns. This was like the first time that college football on the national level was huge. That was when I moved to the South for the very first time and I saw this game. USC was all they were in the early 2000s. That's what California knew as far as college football. And Vince Young goes in and ends a dynasty and that was one of the greatest college football games I ever saw. And then wrapping this up, the 1985 Oklahoma Sooners, you know, led by the Boss, their uh, true freshman quarterback, Jameel Holloway. Other than that, I mean, nobody really compares to what Alabama has done. And you know, hats off to the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide for being in the top 10 as, as one of the dynasties. You really don't think about an all-time great team. Alabama's just always been consistent with their teams, but I think you, Travis, what's really been impressive besides the six national championships that Nick Saban has had since he's taken over and he's took it over almost exactly 15 years to this day. He has provided four Heisman trophy winners, Mark Ingram, Derek Henry, Devonta Smith, and now Bryce young. How impressive has that been? Well, if you went back to 19, 19- 86 when I went to my first Alabama game as a five-year-old or you went to me as a 12-year-old in 1992 when we won a national championship and you asked me okay what is your dream scenario outside of Alabama never losing again it would not come close to what we've experienced you know it's it's just been crazy the dominance and uh, you know it's almost like you're scared to even talk about it until it's over you know and uh to be on the side of, you know, in the 90s, you mentioned the Florida, the Miami team and the Florida State teams. I remember in the 90s hating Florida State and Miami because they were so good. And it's wonderful to be in that same category, my favorite team. I also feel, and I'm not an Alabama fan, but I'm not an Alabama hater either. I mean, I actually prefer to root uh, for Alabama over LSU and Florida. But when you're not an Alabama fan, and you see Alabama win it just about every year. They're making their ninth college football final. And if they win it again, it's yet another national championship for Nick Saban. He's been there 15 years, so if he wins seven national championships, that's 
just about every year. And it's rare that Alabama will go two years without a national championship, but it did happen in 2013 and 2014. And then it happened again in 2018 and 2019. But as a casual college football fan that wants to see the other traditional programs do well, if you're an Alabama fan, you got to take advantage of this. Texas is down. Florida has been down. USC, Miami, they all used to be dominant top five programs. And maybe the expectations should be a little bit lower. That maybe that they are a top 15 program and getting to 10 wins and a decent bowl game should be the expectations every year. But it's not for Alabama and definitely not for Ohio State, Oklahoma, or now even Georgia. So when we talk about the landscape of college football, Travis, what is your opinion on the transfer portal? Recently, Caleb Williams announced that he's entering the transfer portal, which means he is going to go to the highest bidder. Now that we have NIL, it is going to be chaos when it comes to signing Caleb Williams, who right now is ranked the number one transfer recruit in the nation. What do you think? Well, well, I'll tell you, if Alabama keeps landing All-Americans out of the transfer portal, it will change. Uh, We've seen it, people. Uh, you know, the Nick Saban rule or whatever, the, it, it'll change. But I think it needs to. I think there needs to be some parameters. I think I think there needs to be more, you know, not more, but I think there's some leeway there for kids when their head coach leaves. You know, there are people flipping out about Caleb Williams, and I don't like it, but, you know, the guy who signed, he committed to, is gone. He, he left it to USC. And so I think in that circumstance, there should be a little more leeway, maybe a little less shock, you know, uh, but and there might even be some ruling that you know if your coach leaves you you get that one year where you don't have to sit out like I, I'd be in favor of that but what I have a problem with is just the willy nilly hey I came in as a ballyhooed freshman and I'm not going to see the field so I should get to leave I think there should be some deadlines you know um, your your season ends it's not going to be any later than what is the national championship january 10th so january 11th if you want to transfer out that's when you can announce and you have the window from january 10th all the way up to august whatever or labor day or you know because i think it's just man it's nil is difficult on its own and and i, I you know i'm i'm fine with players making money based on their image you know just like i'm trying to do with my podcast what you're trying to do with your podcast we'd love for somebody to come along and go hey your podcast is awesome I'm going to pay you to be this or that. You know, I don't have any problem with that. I think NIL is here to stay, obviously, and maybe some parameters on that. But the transfer portal, I think there just has to be some deadline where a coach can say, I know I've got this many players to play. And I think that helps some on the bowl season. You know, you may have some players that don't opt out or whatever. And, you know, you're seeing third, fourth string quarterbacks playing bowl games. Or guys who, in I guess is Emory Jones at Florida, who had already transferred, entered the portal, played, which is great. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I'm, I respect that. But I do think there needs to be some boundaries on, you know, deadlines between this era. You know, there's a dead period for the transfer portal. And, you know, if your coach leaves that you committed to, I think there should, you know, I'm fine with, with that circumstance because you committed to that staff. They may or may not be staying because coaches can leave whenever they want. You know, you see Brian Kelly, he, he's gone. And so I, I don't think that there, 
I don't have a huge problem with the transfer portal. I don't think it needs to go away. Not, not necessarily that I like it, but I do think, you know, you've got some deadlines and some, you know, leeway that could be given to kids whose entire staff has left or coaches fired or whatever, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I know that you are an Alabama Crimson Tide fan when it comes to football, but switching gears, we're going to talk a little Alabama basketball. I don't know if you're familiar with the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team led by head coach Nate Oates. That they're ten and three on the year this year. Last year went twenty six and seven, sixteen and two in the SEC, won the SEC regular season and tournament. They were a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. However, they did lose to UCLA in the Sweet Sixteen. As an Alabama fan, are you getting excited as well as Alabama basketball, especially when the football season ends, or? You just are you just a football fan? No, I, I love the basketball. I followed them last year. I, I don't have necessarily the nerves to watch the game on TV, but I usually keep up with my ESPN app. <laughs> I'm a football guy, so I like being able to tuck that ball away and uh, protect it. And basketball, there's not much of that. I will say that to some degree, I'm kind of a get off my lawn when it comes to basketball. And so Alabama's three pointers. They're going to shoot three pointers. He prefers three pointers and layups to jumpers. And so they're going to shoot a ton of three-pointers they want to play good defense it's a fun style of basketball as long as you're hitting some three-pointers and I think here recently we've been kind of in a slump uh you know and we're a young team played a tough Tennessee team the other night and they were down two guys so I respect Tennessee playing so it's going to be interesting SEC basketball is definitely taking a step up in its its competition Oh, I'm excited, and Georgia needs to fire head coach Tom Crean because he hasn't done anything since he's been here. I'd rather prefer Mark Fox. The only thing he ever did was get Anthony Edwards here for one year, which was a pandemic season, and he goes on to the Timberwolves. Brad, I'm tough loss, Tennessee to Purdue. That was a very controversial call. I know you're a hardcore, diehard Tennessee Vols fan, and uh, what was going through your mind after that call? You know, I thought it was a touchdown for real. Um, He... Uh, was trying to make the goal line. He was on the other player's back, stretching the ball out over the plane, but they called uh, – They, I think they blew the whistle saying the forward progress was stopped. Um, but uh, it was heartbreaking. Everybody, you know, that was watching that game, thought it was a touchdown. Um, it was such a crazy game. It just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, just a really high-scoring game, one of the best bowl games – uh, that uh, I think we've seen in a while, but um, can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> but I think that Coach Heupel has got that Tennessee program in the right directions. Good things oh, yeah. are going to happen at Tennessee. But speaking of which, how about those Tennessee Titans? All they have to do is beat the Houston Texans on Sunday, and they're the number one seed with a chance of getting Derrick Henry back from IR. Brad, yes, what sir. say you? <laughs> Super Bowl this year? Um, well, you know, it all, it just depends on how healthy they are. We have been plagued with injuries. It's been uh, uh, unbelievable how we've held on, um, so far with all the injuries that we've had, you know, with losing Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, you know, I mean, so many players have been out, but we still have been able to win enough games and hang in there. And we just hope that Henry will be back to where he was before he got hurt. You know, he was dominating the league in rushing yards, and he still leads in a lot of categories still from being out. 
And yeah, it's just going to be uh, a week by week thing. When we get to the playoffs, you know, we got to get past the Texans. I think we'll be fine there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just got to see how uh, Henry does hold up and just see uh, how it goes from there. I really look at the AFC and. I mean, Kansas City, they went back and forth with Joe Burrow. They're a pretty good team, but they lost their uh, home field advantage opportunity. I mean, they were controlling that game in that first half. But Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase. It seems like Jamar Chase is one of those wide receivers, like you're playing Madden, and you just want to throw a wheel route to try to get as much stats as possible. Unbelievable what Jamar Chase did in that game. Kind of reminded me of that Rose Bowl against Ohio State in, in Utah with mm-hmm. uh, Jackson Smith Nigba. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Man, yeah. I, guys, I tell you, I love football during this time. <laughs> I love the fact that the NFL has extended their week. We got Week 18. Yeah. We got the National yeah. Championship on Monday. Brad, I know you're a Tennessee fan, but you got a prediction for uh, Georgia and Alabama? Well, this might be Georgia's year. I mean, you know, they've been rolling all year long. They seem dominant. It could be, you know, I mean, um, let's say 30 years uh, later, you know, 40, maybe I'll win 1980. Yeah. So. I was one. Okay. <laughs> right. So, Travis, uh, you weren't even born, right? <laughs> I was not born. I've never seen Georgia all that dominant. Uh, right. I will say, I will right. say I've got my 49ers shirt on, my nice. Jerry Rice shirt, yep. uh, in honor of Richard and his 49ers. Yeah, dominant. yeah. And I'm also coming off an undefeated fantasy football championship. Sweet. Sealed last night by Najee Harris. So I'm yeah. feeling good with the NFL. Uh, and I love oh, the Rose yeah. Bowl. It's my favorite bowl. I wish it was the national championship every year. That would make me happy. But uh, love watching the Rose Bowl. So, Brad, it's been <laughs> great that you're back on the show again. I know that the anticipation that we haven't done a show in 20 years, but it seems like – the chemistry, we worked together, did eight episodes. It's always been there, and you were yeah. a great host, and I know that you and Travis did a great job with your show once I left, but that yep. just never leaves us. The broadcasting part never leaves us. I know you're doing great things at WBBJ. Travis, I know that you have your podcast. You're also a football coach at uh, Riverside Christian Academy. Actually, I, my last year to coach the varsity team was uh, – the year before this season, I didn't coach this past season. Okay, um, gave mm-hmm. that up. So had a good run, won the championship, and mm-hmm. and uh, headed out. And now I'm doing, like I said, uh, helping healing humor with Ben, and I do help with a little league football team. Uh, but I've I've coached high school football. Well, I don't even know how long, but uh, over a decade plus. Uh, so or actually, probably I guess. 15 years plus. Let's talk about Freed Harmon. All three of us went there, and Ben went there as well. It's a very special Christian college that has a a very special place in all of our hearts. I didn't really have ties to the South. I just decided to do something crazy and go to a Christian college that was the furthest away from home. That's where I met you, Brad. You were in my broadcasting class, and that's when we decided to do this crazy show called the up all night show yeah travis i knew you from brad because you guys were on first floor pharaoh i think i was on third floor pharaoh but you both were yep. in tri zeta and i was in simu <laughs> and uh, travis you were the type of person that just had great personality easy to get along with and there's just so many memories of freed harbin not just the sports career because i was calling games on 91.5 which led to a broadcasting career 20 years later as now i'm the voice of 
of the Columbus Rapids, an indoor soccer team, and I'm also the public address announcer for Russell County Basketball. And of course, I've been a guest on 95.7 ESPN Radio in Columbus. And Brad, you've had a wonderful career at WBBJ. And Travis, you're doing great things. But what was your most memorable moment at Freed Hartman? <laughs> Man, that's tough. Yeah, um, really, really tough. Well, I mean, coming on the show was great. That was fun. Um, Although I wasn't a part of the band, I was just the roadie. But, man, you know, I'm going to show up and have a good time. Uh, But I would say just hanging out with the great people there. Uh, Tri-Zeta was a big deal to me. Uh, I was president, uh, filled a couple of different roles, really learned a lot of leadership qualities there, a lot of things, too, that I should do, uh, like learning from mentors and a lot of things that I shouldn't do that I tried out. Uh, and, and the experiment didn't go too well. Um, but I just learned a lot uh, about leadership and relationships uh, and how to develop them. And like I said, a bunch of do's, a bunch of don'ts. Uh, but in a safe environment, a, a fun culture that obviously promoted Christ, uh, but also where you could go out and you know kind of grow and make mistakes, but also know that there was a lot of forgiveness there and a lot of love. So you know, I would have to go with some Trizeta, although, you know, being on the show with you guys ranks up there really high. And I'm so happy that there's video evidence out there. That may be one of the only events in my life <laughs> that I'm glad there's video evidence. But it was it was a good one. Yeah, um, I would say the same thing. You know, I love Trizeta. I mean, uh, I loved everybody there in the club. Um Hanging with the boys. <laughs> I mean, uh, there in the dorm, you know, just going out. Uh, just having fun, really. And like he was said, a lot better then, Brad, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, making like, music. I love making music. Just just so many things. Um, it's, it's hard just to pick one. You know, we, we've both been blessed with the many memories we've had there. Now, Brad, I know that you were in Simu. I know you can admit it. You were in Simu first, and then you yeah. went to Zeta. It's okay. Because you were in the yeah. Making Music show. Um, yeah, great memories. Uh, Brad, yep. you were in the Making Music show, Canadian ta- Catastrophe, eh? Yeah. And yeah, I was in yeah. the Making Music show in 2000 called Working for a Living, where <laughs> we won first place. And I took a little stroll down memory lane because a special guest at my home congregation at the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ was Noel Stafford. He was the guest speaker, and I was giddy. I was excited to see him (laughs) after 20 years, and we just went down memory lane and talked about everything about Freed Harmon. He married Mm -hmm. um, Jessica. Her maiden name is Jessica Bryant. She was in Chi Beta. The funny thing is they met and got married after Freed Harmon. But I, I knew them both very well, and it's always great when you see yeah. people that you knew that were at a Christian college and they get married and have kids and just a wonderful thing. And I know that we're all in our 40s now, and Freed Harmon <laughs> has passed. It's been just a thing of the past. But you, know, you always want to remember those good memories uh, especially, I had a lot of good memories at Freed Harbor, and I didn't really have a whole lot of bad memories. So that's good. Yeah, same here. Same you, here. you mentioned Simu and making music too. Uh, <laughs> till the day that I passed from this earth, I think Simu got robbed the year. I think Brad uh, Montague was president, and they did the scary haunted house. The, mm-hmm. the gargoyles man that was a great show I, I just remember thinking man this is a winner and uh you know of course i was <laughs> terrible at picking winners at making music uh and i was never <laughs> a part of one but 
man, I, I get fired up. Like, man, that, that show was awesome, and they got robbed. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know this isn't a choreograph show, but it, uh, it's a sports show. But that that's one hot right. take I'll take. Travis, it's <laughs> funny you mentioned Brad Montague because about 10 years ago, he was probably the biggest celebrity at Freed Harmon because he was the mentor of Kid President, who was a bigger celebrity mm-hmm. Then Kid President, who I believe he's now 18 years old, but uh, Robbie Novak, who is Kid President. You guys remember uh, him? And what do I have to do to get Kid President on my podcast? <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, he's a he's a he's a muscle guy. He's been lifting. Uh, we're friends on Facebook, and he posts every once in a while. Dude's got gains, man. He's swole. Nice. He wasn't even born when we were at Freed Harmon. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, Brad Montague was a great guy in Simu. He had his albums. His parody albums are so funny. I remember they were in the Freed Harmon bookstore, and uh, it's good that he's doing good things. And uh, that was such a great mission work, what he was doing with Kid President. All right. So before we close this show, like I said, I'm going to start with you, Travis. I mean, we got the national championship on Monday. I know that we're all going to be watching. Uh, go ahead and give me a prediction, and then Brad, give us a prediction as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Georgia. I think Georgia wins. I don't. The funny thing is, is I can't really tell you how. I, 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 I'm probably buying too much into the. It's kind of their time. It just feels like it's one of those deals where Bama's kind of set up uh, to kind of play the villain, and I think everybody will take a deep breath uh, when the dragon is finally slayed. Uh, I can't tell you how that's going to happen because I do think. I do think that you have to have dynamic quarterback play in today's college football. Um, and I don't know that Stetson Bennett is that guy. Don't take that as a slam. I mean, like I said, I think he's a good to great football player, especially considering where and his story. Uh, but I feel like Georgia's going to get it done somehow, some way. And uh, this this is the year. So I, I think I think Alabama, I think it's going to be close. I think it's 28 24 uh, Bulldogs. All right, Brad, you have a prediction? I like like Georgia, too. Um, You know, I mean, like we all know, they've been dominant. I think it's going to come to the run game. Uh, I think uh, uh, Milton and uh, Zamir White, you know, I think that's what it's going to have to take, you know, to keep uh, Bryce Young off the field. You know, they're going to have to play the time of possession, um, run the ball. And um, I guess I would say 38-31 Georgia. Yeah, Yeah, Brad, it's funny you mentioned that. I will be watching this national championship on pins and needles, but I will tell you this with full conviction. If Georgia takes a big lead and they're up by three touchdowns, I am not going to rest until the clock hits zero because I've seen this before way too many times. 20-7, 28-14. 24-17 and 10 nothing two weeks ago. So no lead is safe. Alabama ha- does have the better coach. And when it comes to game situation, nobody does it better than Nick Saban. I think that the little things like batted balls. And Stetson Bennett is not a tall guy. He needs to move out of the pocket. But if he sits in that pocket, he's going to get those balls batted down by DJ Dale or Will Anderson. Alabama's going to win this game if the defense plays better than Georgia. Like Alabama's defense yeah. is very underrated and they could step up and make plays. So I'll say that Georgia wins, but 
I'm not 100% confident because I've seen too many games where they just couldn't close the deal. Yeah, I don't think anybody can be confident in, in a prediction in this game. I just don't. It could go similar to two weeks ago. It could go completely the opposite. You know, I've done a game where I coached in high school. We beat a team throwing the ball. We, I mean, the final score, I played, coached eight man. So it was like 70-something to 50-something. And then we played them for the championship, and we kind of tried to do the complete opposite of what we did. And we were scoreless after the first quarter. And then we ended up, ended up winning like 56 to 52. And – you know, you just the rematches are so and typically completely the other direction because both teams kind of overcorrect um, sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know that anybody can go. I'm confident that this is going to be the outcome, and truly, no, they might get lucky. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree, Richard. I got to tell you, this has been fun, Travis. I had a blast with you and Ben last week on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time. On New Year's Day, just getting that podcast done. And that is right now the third most listened to podcast behind Brad and Rob Frazier. And Brad, it's been such an honor to have you again on the podcast. Keep on doing what you're doing. I know that we now have a fan base. I feel I want to thank you guys for growing my podcast because we are shattering records. This podcast was taken off. I've been doing this podcast for two years. Once the pandemic happened and we weren't talking about sports for three months, the podcast took a nosedive, and now it's back to the level pre-pandemic. So I am excited. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show, guys. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for, for having us. Hope everybody goes us. checks out benandtravis.com. We'll be pumping up your show there, Richard, and we appreciate all that you're doing. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. That was Travis Creasy and Brad Page here on the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my podcast. I want to thank all my listeners that downloaded and subscribed to my Facebook channel. Don't forget, I will have a show tomorrow as we will break down everything happening in sports, not only national sports, but all the sports that's happening local to Columbus, Georgia. All right, everybody have a great night, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.